0: what's up everybody this is marlin's in-game host mike b and you're listening to fish across the pond marlins uk podcast with peter pratt cheers from the 305
1: Welcome to Fish Across the Pond, St. Marlin's UK podcast, and this is episode 106. I am your host, Peter Pratt, joining you from quarantine. P. Pratt is on the COVID IL, but Fish Across the Pond must go on. So joining me for this one in 106, who have we got? One UK goat, Sean Barrett, is in the house, full Jazz Chisholm look. City Connect jersey wide open, chest air on display, chains everywhere. Sean Barrett, how are you doing?
2: I'm not too bad. We've not lost a game yet today, so anything can happen.
1: <laughs> Boy, if that is, the, I mean, that is the barometer, isn't it, right now. Um, it's been a tough week, no doubt. Off day yesterday was necessary, I'll describe it as. But um, we're going to dive into that shortly. And joining us, special guest, Colombian Heritage Night kicks off right now. It is, well, I mean, it's a long resume. Marlin's Twitter, hashtag Marlin's Twitter. King, Colombian stud, swinging, swimming upstreams, co-host. I've probably missed other things. Fish on the farm, uh, contributor. I'm just going to call him out. Danny DeVivo in the house. Danny, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Pete. 106 episodes, man. And this is my first. Um, I'm, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm betrayed. This is the first time, man. Come on. 106, I, I should have been the top the top contributor to 100, and you know it.
1: It's <laughs> true. This is true. But, 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 everything in life is about timing. It's all in the timing. And this, for me, was the perfect moment. It was the perfect moment to bring him in. I held it back. I knew it. I knew this opportunity would arise. Marlon's Twitter has been a shitstorm this week. Even Eli is podcasting about the Braves. That's how bad it's been, lads. Eli is doing a Braves podcast. I tapped out one night. We went 2 0 down in the first. And when that's it, I'm done. I think I was talking to your brother, actually, Daddy, from memory. I think yeah. that's where it came yeah, from. That
0: was, that was tough. I mean, that's when you know things are bad, is when Pete, <laughs> dear, sweet, dear Pete, who <laughs> in the worst cases, he's always saying that the best is going to happen when he's tapping out after 2 0 loss. And that's boy, when you boy. know, man.
1: Boy, oh boy, it was tough. It was a it was a rough week, guys. Back-to-back sweeps. Bravos did what they did, and the Reds also did what they did. Those teams are contending, and the Marlins are not. So, you know, that is what it is. The losses are the losses. But we're all there thinking, okay, roll into this week. What do we need? What do we need to give us a boost, to bring us back? I was saying, is it Lewin-Diaz season? That was my thing. I was saying, you know, they've they just got to do it now. They've got to bring Lewin up. But, no, they didn't. The Marlins on an off day. No baseball being played. Marlon's Twitter in just meltdown. What did they do? Call up Edward Cabrera. Boy, oh boy, what a bombshell. It was a week earlier than I expected, no doubt. So we're going to be mainly focusing in on, well, Eddie, other studs we may expect to see as well in in September too. Um, There's a few other prospects the guys on Twitter want to get into as well while while Danny's here. So we'll we'll do that. Um, And also just – what we should do for the next, what, we, what what should we be looking out for the next five weeks as we watch this big league club in particular? I know most eyeballs now are away. Football season's coming too. So it's a jam-packed show. We've got, well, about ooh, 30, 35 minutes. So it's going to be fast and furious for us on, on Fish Across the Pond, no doubt. You know we we like a, long, <laughs> a long-form episode. So, um, Sean, let me start with you, buddy. Tough week. Seven losses on the bounce. Rough, rough week. Bravos and Reds. But what positives did you take out of last week?
2: Yeah, it's been a tough week, as you said. And it's going to be like that for the rest of the season now. August, September, baseball for teams that aren't competing. You know, you just throw in the towel and, and, and let loose and get the losses, upgrade that draft pick. Uh, the positives, as has been... All year is Sandy. Two fantastic starts from Sandy. Um, he pitched 15 innings, 18 strikeouts, gave up three runs and got no wins. That's yeah, Sandy in 2020.
1: Standard. standard. Sean, let me ask you on Sandy, because I mean I, I want to ask this question. It's been it's been in the back of my mind actually the last few days. Let's talk about extensions. Does Sandy does he want to commit? Would he want to commit to the Marlins. I, I know the Marlins fan base want to extend Sandy. We know what he is, but from Sandy's perspective, would there be any seeds of doubt in his mind? you think about, you know, committing long-term to the Marlins or is it not, you know, <laughs> is, is he a lifer? Would you say if he wanted, if he could be,
2: I think Sandy does. I mean, if looking from very much the outside looking in, we're on a different continent, from the outside looking in, it does look like he enjoys pitching for the Marlins. Does enjoy Miami culture? I think ultimately, to a certain degree, money will talk. Um, an extension that's that he is worthy of, deserving of, um, and I think would be a reasonably sensible idea. Now, I'm always the half the glass half empty kind of guy. Who say. Don't extend pitching guys into five, eight-year contracts. It only ever goes wrong. Uh, But he is, at the moment, probably the most consistently best player that we have um, on the roster. If you are going to extend anybody, and I'm always cautious against that, it is Sandy.
1: Yeah. Danny, do they they try and get it done in this off-season? I mean, there's rumours of talks have already commenced. Um, they couldn't get a deal done with Marte. Do they need to do something with Sandy this off season?
0: They have to. Um, I feel they have to. They need to send a sign that, that they're, you know, that they want to be better and they want to maintain their players. Um, and if it's not this year, we all know that Sandy is not going to get any cheaper. The closer he gets to free agency, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, for forget about it. Yeah he's really 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 good and he gets much better with every season so in terms of the question of if he's happy if if I think he is I think I think he trusts the process I feel like that's the case with pretty much every player like anybody who you ask is always like I want to stay here I want I I love the city I, I like what I'm seeing so so yeah I mean as long as the Marlins don't begin to nickel and dime 2 million out 3 million out I think I think it's something that can be done I think both parties are interested we just have to stop it with with these with these um cheap contracts uh, yeah. offers that, that we're giving to players um and Sandy has the age he has the quality he has the durability um I, th- I think that's the guide to extend. And I think it has to happen this off season, along with the 30 million other things they need to do to, to get better.
1: <laughs> boy, oh boy, this off season for the Marlins, there is going to be, there's going to be a thousand podcasts covering this off season. Cause it is going to be, it's going to be wild. There's just so, like you said, there's so much they have to do. There's so many holes that they've created by what they've done at the deadline. Um, and some guys dropping off and, you know, they move, need to move on from other guys too. So this offseason is going to be a, the most hotly covered Marlins offseason I think there's ever been, or at least, in, you know, in the last 20 years or whatever. It's you know, it's wild. So, um, Sean, what about what about Jazz coming back, though? Jazz is all of a sudden, you know, he's niggle-free, injury-free. He looks like he's back and he's heating up. And also, maybe he's thinking this Rookie of the Year thing, it ain't done. He's had a good week, um, Pete. He's
2: you know, hit the home run. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's back on form. And now we have got six weeks or five weeks just over um, to see him play. And hopefully he's fit and healthy for that. The one thing that did take me by bus surprise is how close he is to being a 2020 hitter. Mm. He hit his 14th home run, 13 stolen bases. I don't think he quite gets there with, with the playing time that he has had. But the fact that he is flirting with that in his rookie year, you know, that is something that Marlins fans are, are watching games still, if if you're still out there, <laughs> it's it's rough. But he is definitely a bright spot on the offense for us.
1: No doubt about it from, from Jazz. I mean, uh, Danny, is he... I, I The thing is with Jazz, when he's just seeing it like he does and he hits these bombs these absolute second deck tanks. He must be, pound for pound, one of the the biggest hitters in the league. Like, he's not a big guy, right? You know, he's, he's a relatively slight dude. He looks like a prototypical leadoff hitter, to be honest. And then he just hits these second deck tanks. It's insane from Jazz. Love to see it. How impressed have you been with Jazz um, first, you know, full rookie year? The, the,
0: the tools are elite. Um, you said it. You know, he has the speed. He has the... Um... The power so that's that's exactly what you want to see that's what you want to build on um but it's his first season so you can see what he needs to work on to get better he's still a little streaky k percentage is a bit up it's not crazy it's not over 30 but you, you you want it to be lower it doesn't have to go down to 15 or anything like that it just has to be in a in a you know, in, in a solid spot in the 20 to 25, hopefully, if he can get that down and get the more walks, um, be more selective at the plate. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the tools, and he's shown he can he can do it at the major league level. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, I don't think he's gonna go for rookie of the year here this season, Um but if he can build off of this, we're looking at an easy easy All Star because I mean what I've been saying, it's it's the tools, they're there you just need to keep working, getting better
1: No doubt, the tools are there, everything's there, the star the allure, everything is there with this dude, it is just the perfect match, I think I think he will be an all-star next year, I think, I truly believe he's going to kick on, Um, and yeah, I think he's going to finish this year out strong, like like Sean said, it wouldn't shock me if he does Mm -hmm. get 2020 this year, if he just does go on a tear Um, you know, wait and see you never know, I mean, I don't know what the Marlins record's like, but you know what it's like in August September, like if jazz gets hot, you can blow up some pitching quite easily, so,
0: that, know, so right there that that's one answer to the what are we looking for? That'll yeah. be fun. I mean, he has six home runs to go for twenty and he has seven stolen bases to go. Hmm. It's doable. I mean, if he just goes crazy i mean he can he's a guy who can absolutely hit sixty six home runs um in, in in a month in a month and a week. So, so it's definitely doable. That's something fun to watch.
1: For sure. Also something fun to watch on the the major league roster right now. Back, I think last week um, during the week, anyway, Jesus Sanchez returns. So had a long stint with the COVID uh, battle. So, you know, I feel the pain Jesus um, for sure. Um, But great to see him back Um, hit at least one bomb that I can recall during the week. And also, Everyone was waxing lyrical about a 10-pitch at-bat he had in maybe the last game against the Reds. You know, game was on the line, you know, drew a walk, I think, and everyone losing their minds going, yes, Jesus Sanchez, you know, is what you want to see. I mean, these are the small victories we're looking for in in August, right, where we're applauding a Jesus Sanchez walk, a 10-pitch walk in the ninth. (laughs) (laughs) But nevertheless... uh, Mainly on Jesus though, I wanna get your take on obviously he lit it up in AAA earlier in the year and you would add a lot of eyeballs on that. And he's then come up to the major league and I think has really kicked on. But what's been your take in, in terms of Jesus Sanchez, just more generally this year?
0: So it's something very similar to jazz. Um in terms of, of the tool, not not the speed, obviously, but that power. That power mm-hmm. I, I have like the the discipline as well. But the power is just you know it's it's elite like you can sure. see it you can see the raw power that this guy carries and similar to jazz it's it's you can you can see though that power you can see the tools but you can also see what he needs to work on where he needs to get better um what to do to be less you know, streaky and and um after last season where he really struggled in his whatever, 30 at-bats, everybody was ready to, to write him off. He just came this season on a tear. He yeah. lit up A, and he came up and obviously he's, he wasn't going to maintain that at the major league level, but he built on last season and he can absolutely build on this season. So I'm, I'm really excited um, and hopeful about his development going, coming into, going into next season.
1: Does he start opening day next year for you? One of the outfield spots?
0: I think so. Um, yeah. I think the Marlins need to add at least two outfielders. Maybe not at least. Let's say two outfielders. Period. That's what they yeah. need to add. But but yes, I think he needs to. He needs to be, be one of the starters. He needs to show it. Obviously, they can't just give it mm-hmm. to him. He needs to have a nice spring and, and 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 a nice off season. But I think he he will and should be.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, before we get into the main event, um, Sean, a couple of interesting questions for you um, that popped up from last week. Sandy Leone is he now? Is he now the closer for the Marlins?
2: <laughs> I I don't see why not. <laughs>
1: we, I mean, he was the reliever
2: of the week. <laughs> we've already seen a clean ninth from him, yeah. he, he, and you know what? You know, <laughs> as far as playing with the margins and playing uh, sort of. Astro ball and uh, money ball and playing the raiseways. No one's done this before. Why not do no. it?
1: This is, this is new. This is a new approach. Three catchers on the roster. And what that means is Sandy Leone is effectively catching once a week and is also a bullpen arm now. So it's a modern approach. It is embracing the tank in August, no doubt. But fair play to Sandy. Um, he's doing his thing. But the, the main question, though, the, uh, where this leads into is, Giorgio Alfaro. He, they, the Marlins are playing him every day in any spot they can. I mean, <laughs> it feels it feels kind of weird in, in many ways, but and I don't really know what the end game is with Georgio Alfaro to be doing this. Like, if they're gonna if they're gonna cut bait anyway, then why are they bothering put him in left field and first base? And I don't know. What's your thoughts on this one?
2: It is a really strange one. It is a case of like, Pete, you've come to work today, but we need you to sweep the hallway.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's every day.
2: <laughs> we need to go. You need you to take the rubbish out. It's like, it seems a bit demeaning. It seems a little bit like they're just toying with him a little bit, and and his play might have actually deserved that a little bit, um, but. You know he's a decent guy and and it just seems like a strange situation to be putting themselves in uh, I understand that obviously they want to get the new catcher in and let him get behind the plate get some you know get working with the team because he's going to be with the team in the future mm. uh, are we really keeping alfaro out in the left field on first base because we can't send Sandy Leone down just in case someone else claims him. Maybe that is the case, but it seems a bit odd.
1: It it does. This correspondent move never came. Like Alex Jackson was added to the roster, and I was like, okay, so he's added. What's the correspondent move? And we're well, we're over three weeks since that moment. There's <laughs> not been a correspondent move. Danny, what's been your take on this George Alfaro thing? And then we'll kind of, we'll move into some more exciting conversations.
0: Uh, um <clears throat> my compatriot.
1: I know, so this is tough I think, for you.
0: Yeah, yeah I think um, the Marlins are trying to figure out what happens if you take away the catcher equation. You know, mm-hmm. as a catcher, that's your main thing. That's number one. Number one is your pitchers. Number two is your fielding. Number three is your hitting. So you, you, that's, that's the last thing you work on. Um, so they want to see this guy, Alfaro, who has these amazing tools, especially these two tools of speed and and power. What happens if we remove the catcher equation? And mm-hmm. you know, what happens if he becomes a, like, what happens if we do this? Let's see what happens if we just give him a month left field first base, and he just kills it you know i think they were really just trying to figure out if, if that would have done anything i'm looking at his august splits and it's better than the rest of the season absolutely but it's not i mean he he has a 276 average that's i think may he had he did something similar but his slugging isn't back um still a 679 ops which is an elite um so i think alfaro alfaro is answering the question you know like Maybe it would have worked, but it doesn't. Yeah, I think this is him just confirming
1: that yeah. he's a non tender
0: yep. in the offseason. Um, yeah. He's been better, but not, he hasn't been, I don't think, what they were hoping he would be if, if they removed the catcher equation.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting take. And I, I thought that too. I thought, just take the pressure away. Clearly, defensively, there's been some struggles. The pass balls have been, there's been too much. Take it away. Can you just straight up hit? Can you, can you just be a hitter? Let's see what you can do. Um, And it just, there isn't enough of a leap from the offensive side to go, okay, maybe there's something we can work on. Clearly they think the DH is coming and, you know, whatever. So, but I don't know. I'm not convinced. The problem is the potential's there. You see it, you can see the potential, but it's just going to remain untapped maybe for the Marlins. I don't know. And someone else will probably tap into it and he'll, he'll explode.
0: That's you know that'll happen, <laughs> um, but but yes, I mean he's he's 28. That's it. We can't keep talking about potential here. Here, he's taking a roster spot that's going to be very um important for next season. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean I think we all know where where this is headed.
1: Uh, okay. Well, I know where something is headed this week, and on Wednesday, <laughs> uh, Edward Cabrera will be making his his Marlins debut.
0: We saw him becoming fast friends with Sixto and and you can just see the dream, uh, the Dominican dream of those two pitchers uh, coming up and, and pitching with Sandy and 2020 came in. Everybody was really excited about that, but he got injured and was finally able after another injury to come back mid season 2021. And he, again, just like in 2019 lighting, you know, just lighting it up. You can see it, the stuff, the command, um, he looks so good. I was talking to um, some people at Double A who saw him, and and comparing them to Max and to Eater, they like they can identify like yeah, this guy is ready for the MLB. You know, yeah. they wow. could see it, they could identify it. His stuff, the way he, you know, he he commands. Cabrera was where Eddy Perez is right now in terms of age and and stuff you know he was he's he's a guy who i've been following for a while now and he has really he always had the kind of the stuff but he just needed to contain it and, and and kind of harness it so little by little he has been becoming that pitcher every single year you can see getting better um 2018 a few control issues a few things that he needed to work on and then 2019 came in and He started at High A Jupiter that time, and then got promoted to Double A, and he just destroyed those those two leagues. And that's when you were like, okay, so this guy really um, is—he's really good. He's one of those guys. Um, So we saw him becoming fast friends with Sixto, and and you can just see the dream, uh, the Dominican dream of those two pitchers uh, coming up and, and pitching with Sandy, and. 2020 came in everybody was really excited about that but he got injured and was finally able after another injury to come back mid-season 2021 and he again just like in 2019 lighting you know just lighting it up you can see it the stuff the command um he looks so good i was talking to um some people at double-A who saw him and, and comparing them to Max and to Eater, they like, they can identify like, yeah, this guy is ready for the MLB. In terms of the scouting report for Eddie, um, it's, it's everything you can imagine. The first thing is it's what mostly everyone knows about it. It's, it's that fastball, um, 99 miles per hour. Uh, I think it's, he has touched hundred before, uh, with movement, you know, it's not just a straight fastball that anybody can hit. It's it's, it's a really nasty, nasty pitch. By 2018, around those years, he, everybody saw him as a two-pitch pitcher, a fastball and a crazy slider, but somewhere between the 2019 and 2020, what he worked on, he just Got you know he prepared he got he created an elite changeup as oh, obviously shocker. everybody shocker. <laughs> shocker everybody in our system right it's an elite changeup and and like if you look Fangraphs Baseball America pipeline you just don't know which one is the best secondary because they're both that good of pitches he also has his little super cool curveball that he throws once in a while but those three um, that's that's I mean those three are just Beautiful pitches. He Love still it. needs to work a little bit. He's still working on that rust. He didn't pitch for two years. He's still working on that rust for the control and command, but it's there. We saw it in 2019. Um, when he's on, he's on. Um, so I have him right now as my number one pitcher on my top, what's like, 125 list of prospect, uh, Marlins prospects. Wow. So you can imagine my, my excitement of, of just watching him pitch on Wednesday. A couple, couple
1: of follow-ups for you. Yeah. Where, where's Sixto on that, on that list? So how yeah. closely matched do you think these dudes are? Uh, so I'll, let, I'll, I'll ask that one first.
0: All right. answer to that is Sixto is on in my list and also in, in our combined list uh, with, with Alex, uh, our n- number two. Sixto okay. is, is, is my number two guy. Um, and it's because of the injury. You know, he hasn't pitched in a while, so it's hard to keep him at one. But, but Sixto is my number two, and he's right there. I mean, yes, he's having a surgery, but, I mean, his stuff is just too elite. His command is too elite to to take him down more than that, I feel. Um, so, yeah, th- those are my, my one-two on the list.
1: I mean, what a one-two punch there in, in those guys, right? And when me and Sean were talking before we came on air, and I felt like, a few years ago, some people had, like you do right now, so go back maybe two years, some people saying, actually, we're projecting Eddie ahead of Sixto at that moment. Clearly, we've seen Sixto at the major league level perform well and kind of fizzled a little bit in 2020. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, what's been your read on, on those guys, you know, a little bit earlier on, um, you know, maybe back in 2019?
0: Sure. So main thing with Sixto, what really made him, You know, apart from his crazy 100-mile-per-hour fastball, what really made him, you know, different was the command. Mm -hmm. You know, he he could really command his pitches. But what was kind of his weak point, one of his weak points, was the breaking ball, which was – it's a good pitch, but it's not elite. Eddie has three elite pitches. Mm -hmm. I mean, those three pitches are just really, really good. What he needs to work on and see if he can show it, that's what we need to look for in his starts. Maybe not the first one where he where, where may have a few jitters, but as the season goes on, is the command. You know, where, where is the catcher asking for that ball and is he throwing it? Where is he missing? If if he does miss, is is it a crazy miss? Is it a miss towards the, the middle, middle of the plate? Um, those are the things to look out for because the stuff, as I mentioned, you know, if he can execute, like, he will be so amazed at what this guy
1: can do.
0: I love it. Can't wait. Sean Barrett, also based
1: in the UK, like my good self. It is a Wednesday evening, 10 past midnight first pitch. Not only, and listen, we're playing the Nats, so the Nats are fully tank mode as well. But here's the little nugget as well. Josiah Gray starts for the Nats. So we have Eddie Cabrera versus Josiah Gray going. It is a premium matchup on the mound Will you be staying up watching live? Is the question.
2: So I've got I've got an early wake up call, but Uh-oh. I think I think Daniel's given me enough juice to say I've got to at least watch the first three
1: innings. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. You'll know. You'll know after three. And then You'll know. like like Sixto's debut or whatever it was, we'll go. we'll, we'll go another three. Um, and next thing <laughs> is it's it's three in the morning and it's work oh, time.
2: Man. <laughs> a couple of coffees, I'll be fine.
1: Yeah, you've done it before. I know you have. Um, guys, I know we're running relatively short on time now. So, I mean, really appreciate the, the overview there, Daniel. This is the funny thing is, listen, Eddie Cabrera, one of the, the most hyped prospects um, and highly projected prospects is a better way of describing it in the Marlins system. I've never seen a pitch, so I'm excited to see what's there. The 6 run, the early couple of starts for 6 completely blew me away in 2020. And I have a feeling there could be something real similar with Eddie Cabrera. So really hyped for that. Um, they have very different physiques. I saw a picture today of the two of them stood next to each other. And they are very differently built, no doubt. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Uh, Edward, Edward looks like a pitcher. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, what, like six four, six five. He has a body. Like, you see him and you're like, like, you see him in person – it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now this guy, he looks like it. Six not as much. He's six foot six feet and a little, you know, a little tubby. But <laughs> I mean, that's also what makes Sixto so special is that without yeah. that body, he can just bring up that power.
1: No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be a really you know, fun week, and I think it's just what the fan base needed this week, to be honest, of all weeks, because it, like I said, it was, it was a real, real rough one. So listen, we're going to get into September then, and there's going to be some other guys, I think, on the way. So let's just do a real quick rundown on who we expect to see or at least should see in the next, what, four or five weeks um, up at the big league. Uh,
0: so main thing I'll say is, again, also with the, with the thematic of what to look forward to, it's the rotation, man. I mean, I'm looking at these names. If everybody stays healthy, we're going to be looking at a rotation of um, Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, right? Those three, the ones that have been here from the start, beautiful. You also have Eddie Cabrera, and you also have Eliezer, finally. And you also have Lizardo who obviously he's working on his stuff, but he's also there. That's number six. That's the sixth guy I've mentioned. And then you have Thompson who he has no reason, you know, to not be mentioned here, but it's probably the one who may be the odd man out, maybe it's Lizardo, but you have all these names. So it's every day will be fun. Problem is that offense Um, with those, you have to just look at the young guys and, and look at them and dream on them for, for next season. Um, But but yeah, that, that that's what I'll be looking into.
1: There's plenty of pitch in there, no doubt. Great to see Pablo on his way back too. Had a rehab start earlier this week. Trevor Rogers rehabbing tonight. So listen, I know it's been a rough, rough couple of weeks for Trevor and his family. So really pleased that he's he's back and uh, rehabbing today. I think he has one more rehab planned after this and should be back in the rotation. Rumor has it uh, early next week, I think, is maybe or mid next week, something like that. So um, you know, what, the, you know like you said getting those guys back the rotation and that was i think what doomed the marlins all of this year was that three-man rotation and those two spots week after week after week that it just ground them down in the end and they just run out of steam um unfortunately so you know that kind of is what it is listen we've got a couple of listener questions a couple of guys on twitter have, have fired in some some bits one guy that i've already wanted to get into was um griffin conine what what the hell is going on with Conine? He is hitting bombs into, into lakes all over the show. There are wet balls landing everywhere. Griffin Conine, he is, um, he is absolutely on fire right now. I saw, I think two oppo with the boppos in a single game the other day, (laughs) you know, what's after your heart. He is. I mean, this is the perfect (laughs) prospect for me, Griffin. Boy, oh boy. Listen, the story is perfect. The power is legit. The strikeout, I think is still there too. Right. So I mean, he came up to double A, and he's producing. It seems though, right? So, what's what's the sense on Griffin?
0: Um, you you hit it in terms of how everything's there. I mean, he's I mean, he's Mr. Marley's son. I mean, that right there. That's that's just the last name. But that power, that power is so crazy. It's so easy. It's just easy, easy power. It's just yeah. pretty swing. It's just boom. It's out of here. Um, so he has that. Playing for him, and you know, before him, other guys who have had crazy power, who had high K. I mean, guy who comes to mind is is Monte, but Monte Uh-oh. with him, you did you never saw like you you saw how the K's, how the strikeouts ruined his season, like mm-hmm. you know whatever, 20 home runs and some fun numbers but you know 750 ops 730 ops it's not the case for conine you know he had like a 40% k rate which is just it's really bad but like 900 plus ops at high a you know at beloit so he came to double a he hasn't shown that ops yet here he's still hitting you know below 200 in average and only 250 obp but obviously, he needs to get accustomed to the league. Uh, power, power numbers are still obviously there. But it's not something that has hampered him as much in the minor leagues. Now, the question is, what happens when, they get, when he gets to the majors? Because now we're talking about pitchers will be able to constantly execute their pitches. If they know he can't hit, I don't know, low and away, they will keep pitching him there. They'll plan it. They'll execute it. So he needs to keep adjusting and he knows, I mean, you, you interview him and, and he talks about it. He says, that's what I'm working on. That's what I need to know. I mean, that's what I know I need to work on. He knows it. So I'm on the fence. Um, <clears throat> he has, he has the power. It's crazy, but I, I don't know how the K percentage is going to translate into the majors. He needs to keep working on it and then show what he's got. I'm excited. I'm absolutely excited, but let's see what happens.
1: No doubt. I mean, the numbers, the, the home runs are just eye popping. And so as is the K rate as well. So those two combined, it's going to be interesting big year for him in 2021. Cause he's, he's 24, I think. Um, and he's now up at double a. And I guess the reality is double a right now is where most of the best pitching sits as well. So this is a good test for him, you know, back end of the year and he's hitting bombs. So, you know, great, um, great to see, um, what about let's see? We just dig into this mailbag here. So we wanted some conine talk. We've had it. Um, Eli, Eli, of course, he's thrown one in there. So Eli wants to know how legit is is George Soriano? <laughs> I love that question. How legit is he?
0: George Soriano is a really fun name. Um, he's a good kid. I met him in 2019, and in 2019 he was he was challenged with a uh, with um, a single a assignment which everybody i mean thought that was a bit too too high for him but he went there and he did fine um he didn't really excite too much like his k numbers weren't high he, he did okay so everybody coming into this season you know who's who knows about him was like okay maybe he may be a middle reliever or something mm-hmm. but he came back i don't know what he changed yet. i don't know what he did but those k numbers skyrocketed and mm-hmm. he started in Jupiter in the low way, which this time they didn't challenge him. They said, okay, let's start low here. And he just, you know, swept away with that, got promoted. He now has around, I don't know, six, seven starts maybe with Beloit. And he has maintained, and he's still 22, man. I mean, I'm re- pretty excited about that kid. He may be someone, you know, to look at, to look for in the future. It's, it, this yeah. does not look like some... Um, like 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 you know, just a, a small sample or anything, and it looks like this is what he is now. Um, so higher k numbers, better whip, uh, good ERA stuff. Uh, I know my guy, Ian Smith really liked him when he went to in person to see him in Jupiter. so to me that's okay. high praise. Uh, oh there the, you go. Ian's yeah. always
1: he's got a good eye, no doubt, so um, yeah, if he's if he likes a guy, speaking about uh, a, a guy that fits your eye, Uh, it wouldn't be right of me not to ask you about this guy because you brought this guy to my attention and I've just been tracking him ever since. Yuri Perez, boy, oh boy, he's having an absolute whirlwind of a season. Youngest dude, I think, at, uh, well, low A. And then has he been promoted as well recently to to high A? Yeah. Yeah. Six foot nine, 18. Just, just who is this guy?
0: Pete. The sky is the limit with this kid. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't say that enough. Obviously, it's still lower levels, so you don't want to just come here and say he's gonna be an ace. But
1: <laughs> you can. This is a safe zone.
0: Season, yeah. Start of the season, he was challenged roughly. That was a big challenge. Youngest guy in all of the minor leagues. That's all levels for all teams he was the youngest guy and he just dominated mm. low a and now he promoted and youngest guy at that level the whole season you know 18 years old at high a and he just comes in and he just does his work first start dominating you know k everybody uh not walking so there's just so many things with this kid so you're six 9 you're 18 you're learning how to pitch and he has the command. He has the mechanics. You know, you would expect him to be all over the place, crazy mm. pitches. No, man, mm. he's, he's refined. So I've spoken to him. He has the attitude. He's, he's humble. Dude, it's, it's everything you want on a pitcher. Like, I will go crazy if he's traded this offseason. Uh, I mean, I know we have the, 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 the pitching to trade from, but not him. You know, just do not trade him because he's going to be really good. I, I can't break say that enough. Uh, that would break I would yeah, high nineties fastball, um, crazy cr- breaking ball, uh, already showing the changeup, and and it's just you know so much room to grow. He will he will throw harder because he hasn't grown into his body. So it's projectability. He's uh, he's not like Ever Cabrera as, as I mentioned at this stage. He didn't have the numbers yet. He didn't have the results because he you know his his his, his body hadn't tied with his talent yet. But this guy's already there, and he's so young. I mean, again, I could talk about him forever. He's so good.
1: Well, I'm glad I asked you. You've got one minute until you've got to hop off. So I, I will ask you the final player, and you've got one minute to get into it. It's the Marlins' now number one ranked prospect, Khalil Watson. They A, they drafted him. B, they signed him. And now he's actually in the system and is, is playing this week. Looks like he's had a nice start as well.
0: Yes. uh, Exciting because I mean, the last few years we've drafted these guys and and they they don't start well, Mm -hmm. Um, but he did. He, he, I still want to see obviously the power, but it's good to see a a nice solid OPS. He, he, he looks the part, Um, everything, the pedigree, everything says that he's going to be very, very good. Um, So, so yeah, absolutely excited about him as well. Uh, Hit tool first, but he also has that pop going for him and a lot of, projectability still a long way to go he's still yeah. with the florida complex league but it'll be fun to follow him absolutely
1: no doubt about it right daniel I'll, I'll let you go me and sean will round things up so um i know well i know everyone knows where to get you on twitter because you're the twitter champ so uh <laughs> it's fine we'll tag you in this daniel thanks so much for your time um we're going to really enjoy this week watching uh watching eddie and Lazardo tonight i'm excited for Lazardo. so make sure you come back Thank soon you. buddy and we'll we'll get into some more prospect talk
0: all right, Pete, Sean, thank you. This was awesome.
1: Thank you, buddy. Right then, Sean, last men standing, two UK goats. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, mate, but I'm absolutely pumped for for this start now with, with Eddie Cabrera. It sounds, he sounds electric. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, as we look look at the week ahead, really, mate, you know, we've got, uh, obviously, the the series with the Nats, and then the Reds are back. Uh, <laughs> Reds, quick turnaround, they're back in town. Um, you know what? What are we what are we thinking of this week? What what's the storylines that, that we're looking for?
2: I think the storylines for this week are uh, to continue of what we spoke about earlier. It is a case of uh, what you know, Jesus Sanchez is, is definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Um, it's. I think one of the things that Daniel said about Alfaro was really interesting was that sense of they'd want to see what what's going on with the bat in the sense of looking at next year with a DH. Mm. Um, could he be a, a reasonably cheap DH bat for us? I think, you know, maybe that's a conversation they've had with him. We just want to get you in the lineup. just focus on hitting. So that's something that actually I hadn't considered that I will now go on and have a look at.
1: Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah, I thought the same. Interesting.
2: Yeah, it really is. And and we've got the young pitching coming up. We've got Eddie, obviously. We've got Lazardo who <laughs> it'd be nice if we can see him pitch five innings and yeah. under five walks. The walks, uh, the
1: walks are the problem there, right? I mean, just really there's no problem. need to walk anyone yeah. today. You know, against the Nats, there's no need to walk anyone. Just you just want Mel to sit sit there and say to him, Listen, full attack mode, a bit like a few years ago, what Donnie was always saying about Sandy. Go on the attack, attack mode. You know, hopefully they just say the same to Lazaro. Nothing to fear with the Nats. Pile in, just pitch a game. You know, go five, limit the walks. I mean, that's what we want, and, right? Uh,
2: and that's the thing. It is a case of saying, look, there's there's no pressure. Yeah. If we if if we go and lose this game, what's it really matter? It doesn't. Yeah. Go out there, throw your stuff, and and show us what you can do, and, yeah. and we'll go from there. Um, uh, another interesting thing, obviously we've got these young guys coming in, but getting Rodgers back, getting Pablo mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. are really, really important things for, for for me as a fan going into next year. Like three or four, maybe five decent starts from those two, just to make sure that, you know, I don't think anything's going to have happened over the last couple of weeks to to say that they're not who they are. but. As a fan, it is yeah. nice just to just go, yeah, locked in, Sandy, Pablo, Trevor, and know where you stand.
1: Yeah, 100%. A couple, couple of final ones, uh, topics or thoughts are in my mind. Lewin Diaz, uh, he's going to be up. He has to be up, um, clearly. How are they going to manage it with this, um, you know, with Aguilar clearly up um, as well? The playing time situation isn't easy. I, I don't think you want to bring Lewin up and just sit him on the bench. It's pointless. That's hence why he's down in, in AAA. But I, I, is this full service time manipulation now? He's already been up in the big leagues a little bit this year and last year. So I'm not really clear on that, but how are they going to play this? Cause Lewin and Aguilar will be on, on the roster for at the same time, plus probably three catchers. So <laughs> what are they going to do
2: here? It is a really interesting situation where you've got, you've got Aggie and we know where we stand with him. Mm. And, I think realistically the question is, do you go into next year with Aggie and Lewin mixing between first and DH? Mm-hmm. Or do you go with Aggie and Coop? You know where I stand on that circumstance. Yeah. Where do we, where does that leave Lewin? Now, if Lewin wasn't beating down the door like he is at the moment, down in the minors, it is a question of he has to come up. There is no ifs and or buts. In September, we need to see Lewin. We need to see that progress into the minors. And I think, realistically, unless he has an Isan Diaz-style spring training next year, (laughs) there's no reason why he doesn't deserve to be on the
1: roster. Oh, dear. I mean, we've got a new way of describing shitting the bed in spring training, and it's an Isan Diaz-style, so... I'm with you, mate. I'm I'm just intrigued how they divvy up the playing time at the moment when they bring you up. And maybe they'll bring him up this week. I don't I don't know. I, I don't like I said, I guess it will stem back to playing time and service time and whatever, and those are the things, but clearly he's ready, if I'm honest. He's the prospect that I'm most excited about. Like I I absolutely love everything about Lewin. I love the glove. I love I love everything about him. I was a big fan as soon as I saw him last year and I'm really excited for him. And I think in the main, yeah, he'll probably be playing every day next year, but what they do for the rest, I'm, I'm not clear. Um, here's another one for you, mate. This is what I was thinking about the other day. Um, Miggy Rowe has an automatic or a vesting option um, for plate appearances this year. So it's at 500 plate appearances. It triggers the $5 million um extension for, for one year. He's sitting at like 4 10 415 right now. Um he's been what playing you know he's taking an off day a week at the moment let's say and there's about 40 games to go. So question I've got for you is you know the Marlins if they want me to get there he will. Like they can play him every day and they'll make sure they get the 500 so it triggers the 5 mil. Do you think they will? Do you think they'll he'll trigger the automatic 500 Played appearances? 100%. When he went down and he was away for nigh on a month,
2: I think I spoke about it and said, I'm concerned that he doesn't get to that number.
1: Yeah, I remember. Because if he
2: doesn't get to that number, then we've got to create a new contract for him. Mm. And he's theoretically a free agent. And uh, Daniel put it as nickel and diming people. Mm. And I, I was concerned that that was going to be the case the Miami Marlins will make sure he gets that vesting option because it is a financial positive for them to do so.
1: absolutely is. I mean, the other way would be if in their heads, and I don't think they would think this, but perhaps they go, maybe we'll try and Brandon Kinsler him and we'll actually restrict his playing time so he doesn't get his 500 and then try and re-sign him for 4 million.
2: (laughs) I, I will put my hand up right now and say if they do that I'm done.
1: Oh boy oh. <laughs> no one has seen the video but I've just collapsed on my bed as he said that so Sean Barrett is calling it out now at the end of episode 106 to say if the Marlins Nickel and dime Niggy Rowe Nickel and dime Brandon Kinsler and he they don't get him to 500 and he gets the 5 mil, and Miggy Rowe goes somewhere else. Sean Barra is out. He is done. He's finito. Kaput. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, listen, 5 million is under market value for Miggy Rowe, in my opinion. 100%. Yes, Uh, it is, isn't it? You
2: you spoke last week about um, Freeman and how he's worth more to Atlanta than Mm -hmm. he is to anyone else. Miggy is worth 15 million. To
1: the mind, yeah, Yeah. easy. Here's the other thought the other thing to think of what happens if Miggy Rowe doesn't want that five mil? What happens if he says, Do you know what? I want to get 10 next year instead, or 15?
2: Well, he can have that in 2023 when we re sign him.
1: There you go, there's the answer. it's an interesting thing to look at though isn't it you know you were talking about it a, few, you know, a while ago when he obviously went down with the finger and it was like oh okay well if this finger is going to be a long term he's not going to get to the 500 the next thing is well you have to have a negotiation um, so wait and see another big theme from me last week as you know I had a, I had a bad minute I had a bad minute it was 2-0 in the first and I tapped out I just thought I just can't do this um, and, yeah, all hell all hell broke loose. But then I started to process things in my mind and thinking, how are the Marlins going to be competitive in, in 2022? Like, from where they're at now, who's gone and where the system sits, how can they be competitive in 22? And I was just thinking, they have to go and sign Marte. Like, I I'm just struggling to see how they – how they can get better than what they were or even close to what they were going into 21. Um, so why not? You have to get a catcher. You have to get a catcher. You need another outfielder as well as Marte. You need two. We've already called that out because duval has gone as well. So why not keep hold of your farm instead of going and signing Brandon Marsh or Reynolds trading for those guys and giving away three elite pitches? Why not save them? Just go and, pay Marte, pay Marte, four years, 65 million, whatever, you know, we've blown it now, but we've got Lazardo back. So you kind of offset that and you go, well, Lazardo's worth 20 million. So, you know, you... is there any likelihood? Am I just am I just uh, a deluded fan at this stage?
2: <laughs> to be fair, Pete, the frequency of your deluded fanship is, is well known by now. <laughs> I don't actually think you're that far off. If you look at the catcher market, there isn't, there isn't any major guy out there. It's mm. going to be a, the guy that we're bringing in is going to be a veteran. It's going to be a, a, a suzuki like guy. It's going yeah. to be two to five million or whatever it is. Yeah. I think that the Marlins, uh, at the moment, if they signed all their arbitration guys, you're looking at 40, 45 million down for now for next year. So we've mm. got, I would say, 20 if I'm going to be proper, super pessimistic, 20 million to spend, we're not going to spend much on the catcher. There just isn't a guy out there to warrant it. Unless we're trading for them. Trading for a guy with a contract already. So the catcher is going to be cheap. The second second of the outfielders that we pick up, again, I don't see it being a massive deal. I think it will be either a glove first guy or it will be a a left-handed hitter with a little bit of pop. It, it's not going to be expensive.
1: So it can't be. Gonna, it can't be. The way the system be. is, the it way that there. there's so many, there's so many outfielders in the system that just aren't quite ready. You can't go and sign a corner outfielder or go and trade, you know, it, it'd be crazy to do that. Like you just need Duval back again for another year, basically. Um, yeah,
2: so, so if you look at the three spots as being two outfielders and a catcher, catchers to be cheap. The secondary outfielders can be reasonably cheap. That leaves you 15, 20 million to sign Marte.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't think 4.65 is, is the number. I think that might be a bit regretful, but there's money to be spent. It needs to be spent. And let's face it, this window is shortening.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a three-year-ish window just because you've got... The, the starting pitches on quarterback, you know, you, you, you got a team friendly quarterback deal, like in the NFL, like that's the moment you've got to build around. You've got to pay some dough elsewhere. um And, and get the guys in. Otherwise the pitches will be too expensive. And next thing is you're back to square one and you've got to sell the pitches again. And, you know,
2: you, the, the interesting thing that I've heard all week is if we don't win in this window, the three year window, as mm. you said, mm. then it's, it's, a failure and we're as you just put it we're back to square one i don't think we are back to square one no if you start at the beginning of the rebuild and you start and you say in three years time we have to sell on from pablo and sandy and by then ba is going to be gone as well we are going to have such a stacked minor league situation that conveyor belt is now just running yeah, it's they... just pumping guy after guy after guy after guy, and I think this is probably me preempting the next couple of years. But mm. if we don't compete in the next three years, I don't see it as a failure because the 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 thing we heard when they came in was consistency, consistent competitiveness. Yeah. Now this first five-year rebuild, as it's been put is the first one it's the beginning of that conveyor belt mm. i genuinely feel like this window was always going to be our weakest window the next window when yeah. we've already got the guys coming through and we're also when we sell on from these guys i think are going to be getting talent back for that i yeah. think this is just early days now it's hard as a fan to look 10 15 20 years in the future and go things are gonna get better but that's where my mind is
1: oh wow so he's you're forward thinking that far ahead but if miggy rose gone he's done (laughs) the two extremes of a marlins fan right there perfect way to end it um let's call it a day there sean a lot of fun um appreciate uh daniel hopping on too um, that was that was a, a fun, fun episode. Uh, Colombian Heritage Night, COVID ILs, and uh, an Eddie Cabrera uh, hype season, no doubt. So that's episode 106 in the books. We will be back, uh, all being well, uh, next Tuesday. And next Tuesday will be the last day of August. So we'll wait and see where we're up to with prospects. The Marlins, they love to drop news. At times you don't expect them. So by the by the time we're talking next, there may be some more prospects on the way. Wait and see. Sean, as I said, appreciate it, buddy. To the listeners, stay safe. Back next week.